0: This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. This is a sermon offered on Christmas Eve, December 24, 2021, at the Church of the Messiah in Heflin, Alabama. The principal text for the sermon is Luke chapter 2, verses 1-20, through 20, Luke's Nativity Story. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Christmas may be one of the few times that you hear some of the songs that are so neatly tucked away in our hymnal, actually you know, out in the world on radio stations and in popular music, because people love to sing Christmas carols. For much of the world, they've been singing Christmas carols for four weeks while we have very dutifully been waiting in the season of Advent for this day, for Christmas to arrive. Now we have some good hymns in our hymnal for Christmas, but we have a hymn that's tucked away in there that I think is a particularly Episcopalian hymn, and that's because it was written by an Episcopalian. A man named Philip Brooks, who at the time was an Episcopal priest in Philadelphia, and he would later go on to become a bishop. You can't get much more Episcopalian than that. And the hymn that he wrote was called, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And he wrote this simple hymn to be performed by his Sunday school in 1868 at Christmas. He based the words, the lyrics that he wrote on his experience in Bethlehem a few years earlier when he had traveled to the Holy Land. It was 1865 and he was in Jerusalem on Christmas Eve and they decided to go on horseback from the city of Jerusalem to the city of Bethlehem. On the way they stopped and visited what is traditionally known as the shepherd's field and Brooks writing home about the experience noted that indeed in that field were still shepherds doing what shepherds do, tending sheep and keeping watch over their flock. After this visit, they made their way to the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem and intended a worship service that started at 10 p.m., but didn't finish till 3 a.m. Don't worry, our service isn't going to go that long. But as part of that service, it included a trip down into what is known as the Grotto of the Nativity, the place where it is traditionally held that Jesus was born. Now Brooks, writing in a letter about this experience before he would write the hymn, said that what was the most interesting part to him was this crowd of pilgrims that were gathered there on Christmas Eve with faith and eagerness to take part in the worship and to visit the place of Jesus' birth. Now when I had the privilege of going to Bethlehem a few years ago, I arrived on a tour bus instead of a horse. And I was excited to go to Bethlehem, but to get there, we had to enter the West Bank through a security checkpoint in what's known as the Wall of Separation, which is literally a giant wall that separates uh, separates Bethlehem from Jerusalem and the surrounding Israeli areas. Once off the bus, Shafiq, our tour guide, went into sort of his normal explanation of things. He explained that Bethlehem was an ancient city, that this was the burial site of Rachel, the wife of Jacob, the patriarch, and that it was from Bethlehem through Boaz and Ruth that the line of King David would begin. I, on that day in November, was part of an eager crowd of pilgrims ready to enter the Church of of the Nativity and see where Jesus was born. But first we had to pass through the main doorway of the church, which was so small that every adult entering had to bend over and sort of go through this narrow, small doorway our tour guide, let us know that this was indeed on purpose, that it was done to prevent people from bringing livestock into the church. And when a time when the church was subject to being looted, it prevented looters from just rolling a cart in the church and loading it up and bringing it out, it made it harder for them to do that. So once we had kind of you know, stooped, crawled our way into the church and opened up to the space that actually at that point didn't really look much like a church as you would expect it. There were no pews for worshipers to sit. Instead, they had, you know, signs explaining the mosaics that were on the walls and what century that they were put there. And they had cutouts on the floor so that you could see the tile floor that was part of Constantine's original basilica built in the 300s on the site. And as you moved further into the church you arrived at this screen that was in front of the altar that had all of these icons and lamps that the greek orthodox had placed there and so you had to walk up to the screen and then hang a right and you would find these steps that led down underneath where the altar was and this was the grotto of the nativity a simple cave carved out of rock A church had been built on top of. Once you were inside, you again found all of these adornments and candles and icons, but the real thing that people were there to see was under an altar, right? You had to get on your knees to really see it, It was a 14-pointed sterling silver star on the floor that marked where Jesus was born. Now the space inside the grotto is small. Our group and groups of pilgrims were moved through with efficiency, bordering on haste. My group very dutifully went two by two and knelt down in front of the altar, and we would reach our hands out and touch the place where heaven met earth. And then there was not much time to contemplate what we were doing before we were urged to give way for the next faithful pilgrim to come behind us. And I remember as I went through the door opposite that I came in and back up the steps, I could still feel sort of the coolness that the silver had left on my hand from touching that spot. Now both Brooks and I came to Bethlehem as pilgrims, but Mary and Joseph on that first Christmas made their way to Bethlehem, the city of King David, by order of Roman authorities to be registered and counted they found Bethlehem overflowing with people, people displaced because of the order of the Roman government. And so all the usual places of hospitality that they would have stayed were not available. And so we get this story of them being in the inn because really it's a story about Joseph's family most likely doing the best they could to offer a place of warmth and comfort and privacy for Mary to give birth. And though Luke doesn't record it, we know that it is through the pain and fear and love that is part of bringing a child into the world that Jesus arrives at Bethlehem on that first Christmas. Now, the shepherds that we love to talk about and sing about, they get to Bethlehem by way of what I like to call angelic interruption, right? They're out in the fields tending their sheep, minding their own business, and then suddenly sky opens, boom, boom. Angel, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. And then we have very scared shepherds that listen to the rest of the message that tells them to go to Bethlehem and to find a child wrapped in bands of cloth. And if they didn't think one angel was serious enough, then boom, heavenly hosts singing, singing at them, telling them to go to Bethlehem. And so the shepherds go to Bethlehem, probably with some lingering fear and in haste to find Jesus that the angels had told them about. Each Christmas, God interrupts our world and calls us to return to Bethlehem through familiar scripture and prayer and songs. And each Christmas, we come and find that the story of Jesus's birth does not change mary and joseph the angels and shepherds are all where they're supposed to be and they all get to bethlehem the way that they do every year when we read the story but each year when we turn towards bethlehem we have to decide how our journey there will go some of us make the journey to bethlehem full of faith ready and eager to experience the divine Some of us make the journey there because of tradition or obligation or it's just the thing that we've always done. Some of us come overflowing with hospitality and joy and some of us come carrying the burdens of heartbreak or grief. Some of us have it all planned out and have for weeks before this on how we're going to get to Bethlehem on Christmas while others are simply doing the best and making the best out of what they have. However we come and whatever we bring, we are called again to Bethlehem to hear the story of our Savior's birth. We are called to let the story of God interrupt and shape our lives. I think Brooks's hymn, A Little Town of Bethlehem, got so popular And so it's so beloved because Brooks manages in just a few lines to sketch a city, right? The city of Bethlehem that stands ready for God's interruption. It stands ready for the story of God and the human story to meet. It's in Bethlehem's streets that are ancient enough to welcome our salvation and to hold the hopes and fears of all the years. So now comes Christmas and we are on the journey to Bethlehem carrying all the joys and grief of the past year, all the fear and hope of the year to come. We make our journey knowing that God's grace has already appeared, that God has already become one of us and that our salvation has already come to us. But again, this year, we are tasked and invited to find our way to Bethlehem. And perhaps Brooks's hymn, the final stanza, right, that makes the prayer that is the hymn is what we can offer as we join with pilgrims around the world singing and praying our way to Bethlehem. O oh, holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Amen.